They're crying out that He is the Mashiach. You are the Mashiach. You are the anointed one of God. If those children, if those mothers, if those fathers would have not cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, even the very rocks would have cried out. For that was the day of the Lord that had been prophesied. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Raul Reese in Diamond Bar, California. Returning to Mark's Gospel today, we're glad you've joined us to think about the faith-building significance of how and when Jesus made His final trip to Jerusalem. As Raul outlines Jesus' triumphal entry, you'll see that the details perfectly fulfilled ancient prophecy and provided us with wonderful assurance that we serve a promise-keeping God. Here's Raul Reese in Mark chapter 11. Jesus now is coming from Caesarea Philippi down to the Sea of Galilee. And he's moving through the back ends of the desert area coming over towards um, Jericho. And he's going up toward Jerusalem now. In chapter 11 we see him now kind of entering the city of Jerusalem. As he's coming out to the last trip that he's going to make in Jerusalem right before they kill him. In Jerusalem, all of the Jews that have been against him. But it's so incredible because as you read this 11th chapter of the book of Mark, uh, Jerusalem at Passover time, there was a lot of people that would come. A lot of the uh, Jews would come from all over the world. And they would gather together at Passover uh, to celebrate uh, the Lord's Passover. And also there was not only the Jews, but yet the Romans, they were there. And the Romans and the Jews would uh, come against each other. They hated each other. And then the thousands of Jews, they would come from all over the world. They would arrive at the holy city. And their hearts would be filled with excitement and nationalistic fervor. Because they knew they were in their home city. They knew this was the holy city of God. And then at the same time, if you notice in chapter 11, beginning with verse 1, as Jesus now is coming up to Jerusalem. He says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethanich and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, when you're coming from Jericho, let's say this is Jericho here, and this middle aisle here is on the way to Jerusalem. As you're looking up and you're going up toward Jerusalem, you will see literally Mount of Olives, and you'll see the tower. You never go down to Jerusalem. You're always climbing up to Jerusalem. And on the way to Jerusalem and coming down from Jerusalem, there was a lot of thieves that would actually rob people all the time. So as Jesus is moving up to Jerusalem, He has to go through Bethany and Bethany. And if you go to Bethany and Bethany, over to the left, if you hang on left, before you go to Jerusalem, you'll end up there in Bethlehem. So it's about five miles away from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. And as he's moving up to the Mount of Olives, he says, He sent two of his disciples ahead. And then he said unto them, Go into the village opposite to you. And as soon as you have entered into it, you will find a cold tide in which no one has ever said, Loose him and bring it here. Now, we don't know if Jesus spoke to the person before 
in other times that he came to Jerusalem. Or as divine time, as the disciples go out to get this colt and they ask for by prophecy, divine time, the colt is given over to Christ. This will be the colt that he will ride upon and he will make his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And we'll see that in a moment. Notice again what he says. Verse 3. And if anyone says anything to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and immediately he will send it here. He'll know and then he'll give it to you. And so they went their way and found the colt tied up at the door outside on the street and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing loosening the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded, so they let them go. Notice God already was working in the heart of the people. And then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. And then many spread their clothes on the road, and other cut down leaves and branches and from trees and spread them on the road. Now, this is now the triumphant entry of Jesus Christ riding upon a colt of an ass, just as it was proclaimed in Psalm 18, 25, 26 in the Old Testament, 500 years before. Another interesting thing here, this is now prophetically a time where Daniel the prophet in Daniel chapter 9 speaks to us about the 70th week of Daniel. Now, when Daniel received his prophecy, he was actually reading the word of God and he was praying and confessing their sins in chapter 9. The Bible at that time had no chapters and verses. It was written in Hebrew and it was in a scroll. And so what he did is 40 years prior to this, Jeremiah the prophet had already been dead. And what he did is he took out the scroll of Jeremiah the prophet and he began to read from it because he knew that they already had been in uh, Babylon for 70 years and God was ready to let them go soon. 70 years he said. So as Daniel begins to read the word of God, he's a man of the word. And as he begins to pray and to confess the sins of the people and his own sins before God. By the time you read from chapter 9 verse 1 through verse 19 in verse 20, it says this. Then God sent an angel to speak to Daniel. Michael the archangel. And when Michael the archangel came... He began to proclaim to him that Daniel, you are well beloved in heaven. Everybody knows you in heaven and God is pleased with your life. And God has sent me to tell you and to share with you what's going to happen in your time and in the time to come in the future. And when you read chapter 9 verses 20 to 24... You begin to see that the pronouncement of the prophecy is concerning the 70 week of Daniel. God says there's going to be 70 weeks or 70 times 70, 490 years that have to be fulfilled, Daniel, before the Messiah will come. So when you read the Bible and you go through the Old Testament, 
you come to the book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah actually was one of the cupbearers to the king of uh, Persia. And he was there not only tasting the food and drinking the wine so there would not be any poison on it. So Nehemiah would be the first one to eat and taste of the king's delicacies just in case someone would poison the food and the drink. And somehow the king in chapter 1 noticed that Nehemiah was pretty bummed out. And in front of a king to be bummed out would be your head because there was probably a plot. But what Nehemiah had been doing is that he had been weeping and praying and fasting for four months. Asking God to allow him to go back to the city of Jerusalem and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. The city was in shambles. It was torn down. And at that beginning of chapter 1, when you come to the end of chapter 1, in chapter 2, as the king calls Nehemiah and says, Hey, Nehemiah, what's the matter? I see that your countenance is down. Seems like you're bummed out. And then Nehemiah began to ask permission to speak to the king. And he began to speak to the king and says, Lord king, the reason that I'm bummed out is because our city, Jerusalem, is totally messed up. And nobody's rebuilding it. And I would like to see if you can give me permission to go rebuild it. And the Bible says that God already had touched the king's heart. And he was a heathen king. And he gave him permission to go back with protection and money to go back and rebuild the city of Jerusalem. And that happened in chapter 2 of Nehemiah, chapter 2 verse 1. It happened on March 14, 445 B.C. You want to write down this date. March 14, 445 B.C. The reason is because that was one of the first dates concerning the prophecy of the 70 week of Daniel. That is from March 14, 445 BC. And as you move through the book of the Old Testament, you come to the last book of Malachi. And you come through the book of Matthew. Now of course to the book of Mark chapter 11. This would be Monday when Jesus is entering the city of Jerusalem on April the 6th, 32 AD. 483 years when the prophecy not only was given, but when Nehemiah was given the command by the king to go back and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. You take 483 years and you add seven. What is that? 490 years. Minus 7, 483 years. That is, there is a 7 year period of time in the Bible that has been uh, literally put away for a while. That is in reference to the last 7 years of world history. For the last 1900 years, the church of Jesus Christ has been fully operating under the divine grace of God. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. We'd like to take just a moment to remind you that our mission is to build up your faith with the hope and truth of God's Word. 
Visit somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165 for even more resources. And later on, we'll tell you about a book with guidance for experiencing daily triumph in Christ. Now let's rejoin Rawl. The next time Jesus Christ comes, the next time we see Him riding on a horse, a white horse, in the book of Revelation chapter 19, we see Him riding back with a band of angels and with the church of Jesus Christ. And we're coming back to the earth at the second coming. We're coming back to the battle of Armageddon. And we're not coming with God's grace and love and mercy. He's coming with His wrath upon the world. The Bible says that when He comes back, every eye shall see Him. And as they're watching him coming back, he literally will fight at the battle of Armageddon and he will wipe out everybody there. And there will be in the valley of Megiddo, according to Revelation 16, there will be five feet deep in blood, 200 miles in length. And he's coming in the judgment of God. He will come back to the earth. He will place his right foot after Armageddon. He will go to the city of Jerusalem. And his right foot will stand on the Mount of Olives. And the Mount of Olives will cleave in half. And out of the Mount of Olives, there will be a spring of water which already has been discovered. And they already discovered there's a fault in the Mount of Olives when they try to build some hotels. And when that cleaves from one side to the other side, this water that is in the middle of the Mount of Olives, it's not going to go forward to the city of Jerusalem. It's going to go backwards. It's going to go back to the desert. And when this water goes back to the desert, behind Mount Scopus and behind the Mount of Olives, if I turn around this way and look this way, over to my right this way, there would be the Dead Sea. Where nothing grows today. The lowest spot in the world today. When he comes back. And that water goes back. From that spring. Into the desert. And goes over to the Dead Sea. You know what's going to happen? He's going to touch that water. And that water. That Dead Sea. Which is an incredible place today. Where even Sodom and Gomorrah is buried. There in the Judean desert. Those waters will become living waters in the thousand year period of Christ. And there will be fishermen fishing those waters in the thousand year reign of Christ. They're going to spread their nets. Isaiah, Zechariah tells us these things. And then Jesus will come down to the earth. Walk down the city of Jerusalem. The eastern gate that has been closed for 1900 years. Almost 2000 years. Jesus Christ will walk to the eastern gate. And he will begin to set up his kingdom on Mount Zion. And he will set up 12 thrones. And he will sit and he will have a 45 day judgment according to Daniel chapter 12 and Matthew chapter 25. Where he will judge the nations of the world. He will say, you can go in, you can go in. That will be the judgment of those people that have lived for seven years with the Antichrist and the false prophet. And they took the mark of the beast. And then one third of the Jews that lasted after killing two thirds of the Jews. And every person that accepted Christ during that time and lived without getting the mark of the beast in their right hand or their forehead. They will go into this judgment. And if you did not take the mark of the beast, you will be allowed to go into the kingdom age and repopulate the 
years for a thousand years on your flesh. You will be flesh and blood. We, the rapture of the church, the people that come back with Christ, we will have our heavenly bodies. We'll be in glorified bodies, not human bodies. Satan immediately will be bound in the bottomless pit. Revelations chapter 21 tells you that. He'll be chained up in the bottomless pit for 1,000 years. Christ will sit on his throne and he will rule and reign. The nations of the world will have to come once a year to actually bring worship to God. And if they don't come, they don't get rain. And then at that particular time, we will be on this earth with our glorified bodies. And we, those of us that went at the rapture of the church, and those of us that did what God called us to do, we will rule and reign with Jesus Christ for a thousand years. We're going to be ruling cities, nations. Pretty incredible when you read it. Isaiah chapter 60 through 66, you can read it. And what's amazing is that at the end of the thousand years, as Christ rules, Satan will be let out one more time, out of the bottomless pit, the abuso. And when he comes out, he right immediately, he comes out of the abuso, and he goes over to Magog and Gog, all of the nations of the world that are existing at that time, and he will gather them together to fight one more war against Jesus Christ, World War Four. And He'll come, and Jesus Christ will wipe them all out. And then Jesus Christ will set up, in Revelations chapter 20, 11 through 15, the white throne judgment, where the books are going to be opened, and hell, and death, and the Antichrist, and the false prophet, and Satan, and will be actually cast, and every demon will be cast into the lake of fire, not hell, the lake of fire. And then everyone that died and was in hell will be let out. And they'll line up. And the books are going to be open. And whoever's name was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire after being in hell however many years you were there. Imagine that. And then after the white throne judgment the new heavens and the new earth will be created. This old earth is going to burn up. Peter tells us that in Second Peter. It's incredible when you look at God's calendar, when you look at God's prophecies, when you look at God's direction that He's given even to the church of Jesus Christ today. And here Jesus Christ, can you imagine how he must have felt when he was riding into the city of Jerusalem? But again, by God's perfect divine time. Remember Jesus always said, my time is not yet, my time is now. And he rides in knowing, first of all, that everybody's going to praise him and worship him. God declares to them, this is Hosanna, the son of God. Some will accept him, some will reject him. But eventually, his disciples will actually come to a place in their lives where they will deny him. And they will run away from him. And one of them will betray him for $20. And they'll arrest him. And they'll take him and they'll scorch him. 
And they'll put a sack over his face and they'll smack him over and over and say, hey, tell us, who hit you? Prophesy unto us. And then they'll take, after giving him 39 stripes on his back, they'll put a crown of thorns on his head, a purple robe, and they'll give him the cross, and he'll go up to Mount Calvary, where there they'll put him down, and they'll stretch out his hands, and they'll put nails through his hands and his feet, and they'll lift him up on that cross, and he will hang there for three hours until finally he will say, Father, it is finished. It is finished. And that's when Jesus Christ makes redemption for you and I. And three days later, he will resurrect from the dead, just as he has said in the word of God. In the mind of Jesus, he knows already what's going on as he's coming down Palm Sunday into the city of Jerusalem. Look what he says in verse 9. As they cut down these leaf branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who follow him, they cried out saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of Jehovah God. Notice that. They're crying out that he is the Messiah. You are the Messiah. You are the anointed one of God. Imagine that. If those children, if those mothers, if those fathers would have not cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, even the very rocks would have cried out. For that was the day of the Lord that had been prophesied. The first coming of Jesus Christ. Coming in human body, taking upon himself human flesh, but never ever losing his deity as God. He was 100% human, 100% God. Born in a little stable, poor. Coming into the world, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's why He came. He came to save sinners. The great fulfillment of salvation. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Well, it's amazing to see how Jesus' final journey into Jerusalem so perfectly fulfilled ancient prophecy. We hope you've been encouraged by today's teaching. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. To review today's lesson, call 800-634-9165 and we'll send you a complete copy for a donation of $5 or more. When you get in touch with us, ask for Rawls' message from Mark chapter 11. We'd also like to tell you about an inspiring book from Rawl titled Victory, Overcoming Our Enemies. Comparing his Vietnam War experience to spiritual warfare, Rawl will show you how to successfully navigate life's struggles with Jesus' power and authority. You'll see that no matter what trials and temptations you encounter, you can triumph with God's Word as your weapon and the Holy Spirit as your guide. To order Rawls' book titled Victory, Overcoming Our Enemies, visit somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165. We'll send your copy for a gift of $14 plus shipping and handling. That's 800-634-9165. 
If you'd like to order by writing us, our mailing address is Somebody Loves You Radio, Post Office Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. Here at Somebody Loves You Radio, our goal is to equip you with the Bible's wisdom and hope. If you have thoughts about how we can better serve you, we'd love to hear from you. We'd also encourage you to take advantage of all of our free resources. Use iTunes or Spotify to download our programs as podcasts and enjoy them at your convenience. You'll also want to join Rawl for Straight Talk on his YouTube channel every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific. This Q&A program offers Bible-based guidance for a God-honoring life. To access our easy scripture reading plan and enjoy free digital Bible studies, download our free app to your iPhone or Android. And, of course, you can always connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. We are funded through the partnership of listeners like you, and your generosity helps keep us on the air. Every donation is tax-deductible. Well, we hope you have a great weekend, and we'll gather with other Christians this coming Lord's Day. Next time, we'll pick up where we left off in our study through Mark's Gospel. You'll see that while it's possible to settle for a life of empty religion, Jesus wants you to enjoy a rich and rewarding relationship with Him. Here's Roll with a closing comment. Here they're quoting from Psalm 18, 25, 26, verse 10. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So as he goes in, In the evening, he leaves, and then he'll come back the next day on Monday. Knowing that just in a couple of days, he will be dead. He will be crucified. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.